have you ever second-guessed your decisions? But you just got to kind of, as best you can, say, what do you want me to do now, God, and do it? What do you want me to do now, God, and do it? You're always going to have the opportunity to second-guess things. And let me ask you a question. Is, does God want to speak to you? Does God want to give you direction? Does he want to give you direction on everything? Yes, he wants us to have an intimate, ongoing relationship with him where he can give us direction all the time on anything. In fact, he even tells us we'll have perfect peace if we keep our mind fixed on him constantly. Sometimes I think he allows junk in our lives just because, hey, you've been neglecting your relationship with me. What do I got to do to get your attention and get you to pray? You're like, oh, yeah, no, you know, and, and, and we come back. So there's decisions to make, and he wants us to make the right decision. He wants us to make decisions based on what he tells us to do. He wants us to ask him. But here's the kicker. You make every single decision based on right and wrong, not consequences. How many of y'all ever made a decision saying, well, if I make this decision, this will happen, and if I make this decision, this will happen? How many of y'all make decisions based on consequences? Raise your hand. We do, don't we? We do it all the time. And it's not an unwise thing to do to check out the consequences, but don't ever let your consequences overrule what God tells you to do. How many of you have ever had God lead you to do something that has made no sense at all? Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on, man. Wake up. Here we go. Like, literally. And aren't those the coolest things? where you do something that God just says do, and then you can't wait to tell people because then, Ryan, when it all goes down, it's like, you know, you're like, why'd you do that? How'd you, how did that work out? And I just follow God. Yeah, that's what he wants to do in this. So as I was praying about this message today, it's New Year's, and I was like, okay, get ready to kick off a new year. And um, I was like, God, you want to keep going in Second Peter or First Peter where we're at? He's like, no, no, we're just kind of talking and hanging out. And he gave me a message that I, again, I'm not just throwing leftovers at you. In fact, the Sturgill family can preach this message because I, I know their kids could come up and preach it because I've heard them apply it numerous times. When I told JJ, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can just do the PowerPoint because they've been hearing this so long because this is how we make decisions. This is a little chart God gave me when I was a youth pastor. And it, it's scriptural. I'll give you the scripture for it. You may have heard it. You may have seen it. You may be new here and you haven't seen this. But I'm telling you, it is a great tool for making decisions, every decision that you're going to make. And, it's, and, 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 and again, it comes right from scripture. He gave it to me when I was a youth pastor and trying to help teenagers make decisions. How many of you all know teenagers have a hard time making decisions? Yeah, yeah, hard time. You know, if it isn't hormones, it's emotions. If it isn't, you know, I mean, whatever. And when I was a youth pastor, it just made sense. I have kids that are in their 40-somethings now that still have the little card with this on the back, and it's in their wallet. And they've been using it to make decisions. And, and, and there's some of you that have, that have this. I know, I know that Fernando refers to it a lot. Oh, yeah, the girls, we did this, but we remembered this here. So I actually have a PowerPoint to go with this. And so the first thing in this is, uh, let me put this on. The first step in this is knowing that you have decisions to make. Um, because how many times have you just made a decision without even realizing you have a decision to make? You just went and did something. You just reacted. Ah, you know? You just moved, you did something, you were instinctive. You know the difference between us and animals? What's the difference between us and animals, anybody? What's that? Oh, we can talk? Oh, come on, birds can talk. Probably want a cracker. No, I'm just yeah, we can talk, you're right, but yeah, we can talk, but, but we can talk things out. We can be rational. We can make decisions. Animals, when they make a decision, what is their decision based on? instinct that's it instinct isn't that the problem with teenagers sometimes good thing it's not us adults we don't ever do anything instinctively do we like those hormone and emotional driven teenagers right mac we don't do that no we stop and we think about it logically and but sometimes we're using the wrong criteria when we do it we're using nothing but consequences and our potential consequences and let me ask you a question if you're guessing your consequences Hey, Carol, if you're guessing consequences, that means you need to be able to predict the what? Yeah, the future, the outcome. And my psychic friend, how good are you at that? 
terrible if you're really that good. If any of you are excellent at predicting the future and outcomes with any kind of, uh, of uh, certainty, I would love very much for you to help me like buy lottery tickets since I can't afford stock. I'm just saying. Neither one of those are, are, are gambling, I don't think. But, but I'm just saying. If you can predict the future, man, go because you'd be awesome. So the fact is, is we try to make decisions based on predicting the future, but we're not very good at it, are we? How many of y'all, how many of y'all would say, I'm not very good at predicting the future? Like, I don't even know what time we're getting out of here today. No, it's going to be early today, Terry. Dude, I got like a lot of driving to do. I'm just, no, I'm done when God has me to be done. But life is full of what? Help me out. You guys, man, we should have a lot of campfire, man. How many of y'all are just like, all right, dude, you're just lucky I'm here today. You know, <laughs> all right, I see it. I, it's all good. I got to get you engaged, man, because I can't go anywhere if you're not engaged. All right, so look, um, at the end, you're going to be able to take a picture of this. All right, you can take a picture of all of it, but at the end, I really do want everybody to get their phone and take a picture of the completed one because that would be much better than trying to hold something paper in your wallet or whatever. You've always got your phone, and it can always help you make decisions in here. So you see, it's nothing but a basic tic-tac-toe diagram. And by the way, I did preach this at the beginning of the quarantine out on an island. And uh, it, it was out there, Chris, you remember? You were the sound man back then and uh, at the very beginning of that. But again, I reminded God and said, God, I just preached this. God, I just, he's like, you know what? Is it your job to tell me what you're supposed to preach? I'm like, no, you tell me. And so somebody here needs this, and it's probably me, all right? So upper left-hand corner, the D, for those of you who know what this is, the D stands for what? Decisions. You have a decision to make. You're not instinctive. You have to make a decision. You have to figure things out instead of just reacting to something. And then so with every decision that we make, there is a wrong decision and there is a? Yeah. But you're like, what about the gray areas? How many of y'all are into gray areas? You know what I'm saying? Everything's a gray area for you. You know what that means? Hey, if, there, if, if we'll just go with this, we're not being, you know, we're just going with standard stereotypical stuff. If something is, is wrong, we, it's dark, it's black. If it's right, it's white. Everything's black and white, right? Okay, so if, if you want to make something wrong, something black, if you want to make it gray, what do you have to add? And how much white do you have to add? A ton. So, so, so we do that, but when you just add a ton of white to black, a ton of wrong, of right, or a little bit of right to a bunch of wrong, it, it really doesn't even change colors. But when you have the right thing, you have a big chunk of white, how much black do you have to add to make it gray? <clears throat> Ooh, teeny tiny bit. See where I'm going? That's our gray areas. You know what our gray, I'm not saying there aren't some gray areas in life, but the majority of things we consider gray areas really aren't. You know what they are? They're things where we know what God wants us to do. We know what he wants us to do in our heart of hearts, but guess what? It's also not what I want to do. It's, a, it, it's not really what I want to do. It's not what God wants us to do. You know, it, 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 we know the right thing. He wrote the word in our heart when we got born again. We know what it is. But, dude, isn't there some way I can add a little bit of me and my will into this and still keep it white to keep it right? And, 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 but if you add a little bit of you and it's not what God wants, what color you got now? You got gray. And you see, it's not that we're like going 50-50 with God. You know, a lot of times we're just adding a little bit and, and we're missing the purity of God's will. This time you say, oh, this is a gray area. Make, make sure it's not where you just, you know what God wants you to do, but you're just not willing to do it yet. Anybody there? Anybody ever have, do that? You try to add a little bit of you to God? Yeah. So with every decision, contrary to our little gray area theory, there is a right decision and a wrong decision. Hey, let me ask you a question. Right and wrong decisions, do they change with society? Do they change with popularity? Do they change, does right and wrong change with what society accepts? Does it change with what the majority of people say is right? No. And it's not even, doesn't even change with what they accept because, listen, with what one to generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. You hear that? What one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts and says, wow, this is right and wrong now. 
Whereas all you did was say, ah, I don't want to get in a little squabble over that. I don't want to rock the boat with that. I'm just going to ignore it and walk on. And then guess what? The next generation, now it's right and wrong. And now you're being forced into this so-called tolerance, which Josh McDowell brought up back in the 90s. You want to read a good book? Read Right from Wrong with Josh McDowell. It, he's prophetic, man. The dude, he, God shows him things in, way in the future of what is going to happen in society. And I'll never forget, back in the early 90s, I went to a conference. We were spearheading this conference, bringing Josh McDowell into Orlando, renting the arena and all this stuff and all these important people. And I got to be on this because I was part of a big church. Everybody loves me part of a big church. Man, they let me be part of this spirit. And Josh McDowell said, hey, so you know what the next buzzword is? He said tolerance. And we're like, what? Tolerance? Yeah, we're Christians. We're tolerant. He said, no, no, no. What tolerance is going to mean, he was saying this back in the 90s. Now you're like, well, duh. You got to understand, we've been frogging a kettled into this. It wasn't like all of a sudden we got thrown into this. What happened is a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And he said, this is what's going to happen, what they're going to mean by tolerance. It means that you got to tolerate what everybody else accepts as right, which means you're, if you're going to be tolerant, you have to give up your absolutes. How many of y'all would say society is, causing, is, is, is steering us to give up our absolutes? How many, how many would say that we have been forced to give up our absolutes in so many areas to become tolerant? So just because the government, just because society says that this is right and wrong, does that make it right and wrong? No, because again, what one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. How many of you old people like me would agree with that? You've seen it happen. Some of you just don't raise your hand because you want to say you're old. <laughs> Seriously, you've seen society change. And, and think about how rapidly society has changed even in this last year. Oh, my goodness. So you can't even, we're making decisions right now on stuff that we've had no experience with. How many of y'all had to make some weird decisions this year? Yeah. Every day you're like, wow, what color mask should I wear that goes with my outfit? Did you even think last year you'd be making a decision like that? And I'm not making fun of them. I, I am. But, <laughs> but I'm saying, well, do you, you think quarantine really means that if we take our boats out, we really have to be 50 feet apart from each other? And then the Marine Patrol in a helicopter, the sheriff, hey, Move your bolts, socially distance your bolts. Like, oh, dude, there's new decisions to make right there. Stuff we never thought of before. Hey, how many of y'all think it's all going to be over Friday with the new year starting? <laughs> Friday, it's like, oh, good, it's all better. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, we're going to put that one in the scrapbook and let's go back to normal. How about believing whether or not there was going to be a new normal when we started hearing that? How many of y'all fought a new normal? And you're like, you're still fighting. Like, this is not my new normal. This is not. But there's things that are things we have no choice about that are a new normal. It's crazy. So do you think we're going to be faced with decisions? D, you're a woman of decisions. <laughs> do you think we're going to be faced with some, some hard decisions this next coming year? So, yeah, and we, that means Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I don't know what's happening with the whole Trump thing. We'll have to wait and see on that, but I know that's where you're at. But, but we're a believer. We know that he wins. We know that he wins, and that's the key. And if you're his child, we win. And he's only got us here as long as he can use us. And that's why our decisions have to represent him and not let our emotions and our hormones and our, our, our everything else get involved with all of this. So we've got to make sure that we make our decisions based on right and wrong. We have decisions, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be making some crazy decisions this year. You're going to have, have to make some crazy decisions. I don't, I don't think there's any way around it, period. But again, with every decision, there is a right decision and a wrong decision. What makes a, a decision right? Anybody help me out? Terry, what makes a decision right? Yeah, God wants it. Yeah, so what do you want me to do, God? Boom. Hey, does that mean that if I do it this way, that everybody has to do it that way? 
No. In fact, now, if it is like just boom, black and white, but we live in different. Hey, should I go on an airplane? No, because that plane's going to crash. I want you to move. Uh, should I go on an airplane? Yeah, because it's good. You know, I'm just saying you need to check out with God every decision and what he wants you to do. Should I eat a dog biscuit? JJ says, no, dude, let me have us a couple of those for vacation. We'll see. <laughs> you might have a whole new sideline on there. Just ask, sprinkle a little bit more sugar in that and we're good. I don't know, but I'm just saying, so there's decisions and there's wrong decisions and right decisions. Take a look at scripture here. This is um, Galatians chapter six. You can remember this six, seven, eight. Okay. You guys can remember six, seven, eight. All right. Galatians six, seven, and eight. And with every decision, there is a wrong decision. There is a right decision. Look at the very beginning of chapter six, verse seven. Do not be what? Hey, who would deceive us? Okay, the devil deceives us. Who else would deceive us? The world system would deceive us. Yeah, so we got the devil that wants to deceive us. That's his name. It ain't even his middle name. That's his first name, Diab Deceiver. We have a world system that he runs that wants to deceive us. Do you see this world system wanting to deceive us? Can you imagine that they're going to try to deceive us even a little bit more this year? That they're going to groom us and they're going to brainwash us and they're going to they're going to mold us and shape us through this world system. Do you think that they want to deceive us? Absolutely. And at the Jesus even said when the apostles kept saying, God, what Jesus, how do we know when you're going to come back and just kick Roman tail and let the Jews win? You know, we're going to be in charge. He's like, man, look, I'm here. Just you just make disciples. And you know what Jesus said more than anything about the end times? He said, don't be what? Deceived. How do you not be deceived? You don't be deceived by knowing the truth. We've got to immerse ourselves, bury ourselves into the truth, which is the word of God. It's the only truth we have. And they're going to deceive us even into believing it's not the word of God. That it's not the truth. You know, there's a lot. How many of y'all believe the word of God's the truth? Cut your hand. All right, cool. That's enough. Can you believe that there are people that don't believe it's the truth. Yeah. It is the only truth that we have. So don't be deceived. He says, God is not mocked. What does that mean? God's not going to be mocked. If God says something's wrong, is, is society going to mock them so much that they're going to make it right? And it's actually going to become right? Is wrong in God's eyes ever going to become right? No. If God said it's wrong, it's what? If he said it's right, it's what? Even if it's against the law. Go read Corey Ten Boom. Go read Corey Ten Boom. One of my heroes, man. Man, where was she? Amsterdam? Is that where she was from? Over Amsterdam? And, and dude, the First World War, they decided, yeah, we don't want to play. We don't want to be in that. Leave us alone. We're just going to do our own thing. And in World War I, it happened. World War II, they said, well, it worked for World War I. Let's, we just want to be left alone. But what did Hitler have to say about that? Well, you're left alone, you'll be easy. And within 45 minutes, he stormed it with Nazi troops and overtook the Rotterdam airport. And the rest is history. God, I got goosebumps, man, because it can happen that quick. And all of a sudden, they went from their nice little quiet wooden shoe you know, clock-making shop where everything was good and Nana made cookies and blah, blah, blah. Everything was awesome and they had a system for hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, now they have Nazis walking the streets telling them what they can and can't do. All of a sudden, now God calls them as Christians to violate the law because Jews are getting killed and persecuted. And he says, man, I've given you a heart for these people, and I want you to rescue these people. What? I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get, as a believer, you, I want you to love them. I want you to put your clock shop. I want you to give me your clock shop. I want you to give me your house. I want you to build a wall halfway between a room with a, with a hidden door so that you come and rescue Jews and let them stay there, and we'll build the wall so the Nazis can't find them. And then you're going to start a little underground railroad getting them in and out of there. And, and, and so they did it. And then what happens? They get caught. They spend time in a concentration camp and they saw it from God's perspective as her sister died and she came through and had stories to tell that encourage us to this day. I'm not being a modern day prophet saying that's what's going to happen, but I'm saying that's how quick it all went down. And we're not, we're not safe from that. 
I'm not saying it's going to, but I'm just saying that's what happens. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Even if all of a sudden society says doing the right thing is the wrong thing, you got to still do the what? Daniel. They couldn't bust Daniel. They couldn't get Daniel messed up on doing anything like immoral. So what did they do? They made praying to any other God other than the king illegal, right? So what did Daniel do, Colleen? He prayed because what was the right thing to do? To pray, even if you were going to get thrown into a lion's den for doing it. How many of y'all still pray if you got thrown into a lion's den for getting caught doing it? You know, he went and he was like praying silently in the corner of his house. He did like he always did. Out the window, he prayed and glorified God because he knew God was bigger than the boogeyman. <laughs> he knew God was bigger than anybody. But you got to make sure that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. Not a gray area mixed with you and God and you've made your own theology. That's what's happening. We've got to know what the truth is. Be not deceived. Know the truth and know it in context. God is not mocked. Whatever God said is wrong is always going to be what? And whatever he says is right is always going to be what? Yeah. Man, I look at that precious little baby. I look at that precious little baby. Not Terry, my Alana. <laughs> you both just fit, man. It's awesome. And man, if Jesus tarries, if Jesus waits, what is the world going to be like for them? I pray for them so hard. Little Keone, all of them. The ones that are down there right now, they got to know the word of God because they, otherwise they're going to be deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. God said it's wrong. It's wrong. God said it's right. It's always right. Even if there's going to be consequences for you in doing that. So that's what the, so the D stands for what? The W stands for? And the R stands for? So there's right and wrong. And the S and the L stand, S stands for short-term consequences and long-term consequences. How many of y'all thought about consequences in a couple of ways? Don't we just look at a consequence? It's like, ooh, there's consequence, you know? Ooh, I got a chance to lie and get out of something, so let me just look at what will happen. I think I can, I can beat this person in a lie. I think I can tell them this lie, and then I get what I want, okay? But how many of y'all found out later that your mom and your dad really knew you were lying? They just didn't want to bust you all the time. <laughs> they had mercy. So now they can't trust you. Uh, we're going to be driving later. All right. Short-term, long-term consequences. We're driving. How many of you are driving Nazis that, uh, and I'm using that term lightly, driving Nazis on a trip, your family has to have a jug because you're not stopping for the bathroom. You're one of those guys. Yeah. Dude, we got a time frame. We got a limit. If you can't hold it, whatever, you're on your own. You tube out the window, whatever. I don't know. I, <laughs> dude, I've heard some things, man. I'm, uh, I'm not one of those guys. I'm like AAA said every two hours. <laughs> and I'm just stopping too. Dude, we're in a cool little town. Let's go look at this little antique shop. Oh, my family's like, let's get going. Because <laughs> we'd never get there if it was me driving. God puts opposites together. but So we're driving. And <clears throat> let's say I'm running low on gas. But it's not a great time to stop. Oh, man, we're going to be there soon. If I don't stop, man, I, I, man, if I don't stop, we can get there. But the needle's going down and going down and going down and going down. What's going to happen if I don't stop? I'm going to run out of gas. So here it is. Short-term consequences of not stopping is good. I don't have to stop. I can maybe give it a shot and make it, and my plans don't get thwarted. I get to keep going. But then in the middle of nowhere in Georgia, <laughs> devil went down to Georgia. No, I'm just went in the middle of Georgia, dude. Doesn't that just scare you, the middle of Georgia? I know it's all, it, it, it's not the middle anymore. It's all cities now. But, dude, the middle of Georgia, I start hearing banjo music, man. And, <laughs> and, the, and the vehicle stops. It's out of gas. So the short-term consequence of not getting gas was what? Was it good or bad? It was good because I didn't have to stop. But the long-term consequence, now I hear banjo music next to a creek, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and no gas station. Is the long-term consequence bad or good? It's bad. So with most short-term decisions, like we'll, we'll talk about this later, there's a, there's a consequence for a short-term decision, and there's a, there's a, a long-term consequence for a decision. But often I think we don't see much further in our instant society than the short term. 
So with every right and wrong decision, there are short-term consequences and long-term consequences. That's what this is going to help you remember. Because so often, what do salespeople use? Salespeople, I know, dude, I just was looking, I don't know. Bob, do salespeople, do, do the dealerships ever lose? Never. <laughs> they are trained. They, they are going to get, it's going to work. I mean, yeah. And what are they going to get you to focus on? Immediately, right now. If anybody ever tells me, well, you don't buy this right now, you know, at the thrift store. You don't buy this now, someone's going to buy it. I say, well, guess God don't want me to have it. Well, I'll go down on my price a little. I'm just, but... <laughs> Isn't that a sales technique? Got to buy it now. Got to have it now. You do it now. Deal's off. Boy, when someone's putting that pressure on me, it's like, dude, that's God saying, get out of Dodge for me. Maybe not you. Some of you are good bargainers, and that's why you came in handy in the whole vehicle process, because that's who you are. But man, with every right and wrong decision, there's short-term consequences and long-term. Don't lose sight of that. Listen to this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Look at this. Whatever a man sows, what is sowing? For you younger people who didn't grow up in an agricultural community, what is sowing? Planting seeds, okay? Planting seeds. So with your decisions, you are planting seeds. If you plant watermelon seeds, Adam, what are you going to grow? Watermelon. So can you be upset if you don't get string beans? No, you planted watermelon seeds. You plant some squash, what are you going to get, Bruce Lee? Squash, zucchini, oh, zucchini, only if there's zucchini squash, all right? There's a bunch of different kinds of squash, you know that? All right, just eat at Ashley's and you'll find out. But I'm just saying, man, so whatever seed you plant, that's what you're going to grow. We know that. We wouldn't be surprised if that happened to agriculture. We'd be surprised if we didn't. But somehow, I think in our society, we've been so trained to think, I can do what I've always done and get something different. I can make this different this time. I can do this there. I, I, can, I can sow evil and not reap evil. I can reap good. We've got it so messed up. He said, be not deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever you sow, that you will also. And that's a harvest. Duh. Everybody take your pillow and go, duh. Does that not make sense? Duh. You plant watermelon seeds, you get watermelon. You get wrong consequences. Duh. Not just act off of your instincts. Not just act off of what society has told you is right and wrong. Not just act off what all your friends are doing or whoever. You're acting off what is right and wrong. Camden, you're getting ready to go on a ship, right? Yeah. You think there's going to be some guys on that ship leading you to make some unwise decisions? Yeah, they're going to be leading you to, do, to plant some stupid seeds, right? You plant some stupid seeds, what are you going to grow? Stupid, yeah. And when you're a, when y'all learn to is it brig or wherever you're at, you're in your trouble. It's like, dang, I don't know how we grow stupid. Man, look at these big old stupid plants we got. And they're like, well, you planted stupid seeds. <laughs> we can't do that because it's not just Camden on a ship with a bunch of testosterone drip, well, hormone driven men, women, whatever, on this all cooped up in a pile of metal and you know, and getting to go out. Rah! You know, I'm just, yeah, it's it's us. Mac, you ever get tempted to plant stupid seeds over here at Windmill Village? Yeah, you get prodded to. They give you bags of it. Plant it, Mac, plant it. But come on, I dare you. You'll grow. A, this is a really new kind of stupid we're gonna plant we're going to grow. This one's different. And then you grow and you're like, no, it tastes the same as the last one that I grew. Literally, what you sow, you will reap. But there's no, there's no exceptions to that with the exception of God's mercy. But boy, should we always count on God's mercy? Should we always demand his mercy? That's like sowing, I heard an old country preacher say, don't be sowing wild oats and praying for crop failure. You know, that's what we do. Oh God, I did all this, now bail me out, make it all good. He's like, no, I think you need to eat some stupid for a little bit so you'll remember what it's like next time somebody gives you some stupid seeds. Don't do it. Be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatever a man sows out of your reap. There are consequences with every wrong and right decision, and there will be short-term consequences and long-term consequences. I guarantee you, do this with every single decision you make, and you will see it's true in this. So, when we make the wrong, okay, so the D stands for, help me out. The W stands for. The R stands for. And the S stands for. And the L stands for. Okay, so you got that. So when we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually good. 
but the long-term consequence is bad. I don't stop for gas, <laughs> you know, or stop for my family to go to the bathroom, and then now we got a mess in the car. I'm just saying, whatever it is, you make the wrong decision. We usually make it because it's favorable when? Right now. It's the best thing for me right now. I'll be able to pay for it later. I'll be able to work that out later. I'll be able to, uh, yeah, I'll worry about that later. Does that sound like anybody here? Point to the person next to you because you don't want to admit it yourself, right? That's all of us. That's all of us. What's the best thing to do right now? Dude, I'm going to pig out on key lime pie, pumpkin pie, chocolate cream pie. I'm going to pig out on all that. It's good now. But it's not good when you go see Dr. Flame. No, it's not good when you're laying there later going, oh, you remember the Alka-Seltzer commercial, man? How many of y'all are old enough to remember the Alka-Seltzer commercial? I can't believe the whole thing. One more time. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. How many of y'all are kids and you're like, dude, I'm going to have to YouTube that one. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, because later the long-term consequence is bad. And which one's going to last longer, the short-term consequence or the long-term consequence? But yet we live for the moment. We live for that right now, thinking we'll deal with it later. Look at this. At the beginning of uh, verse uh, 8, when we make, uh, again, when we make the wrong decisions, short-term consequences are usually good, but long-term consequences are always bad, for the, and they are always bad. But you're like, well, wait a minute, I lied. Hang on. I lied and got myself out of this, out of this mess. Honestly, all you pious people, how many of you ever lied, even when you were just a kid, you told a little white lie. You told some kind, maybe a big old giant lie, but you lied to get yourself out of something. Anybody? The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You just lied right now. <laughs> You're all guilty, every one of you right now. So, so you, you said, well, I told this lie, and, and I didn't get caught, and it got me out of the mess. Good. And then the next situation comes up. What do you, what do you have to do? Hmm, it's going to hurt if I tell the truth, so I'm going to lie. And then the next time comes, I'm going to keep lying. I'm getting good at lying. Because you know you have to get good at it, right? Because you've got to remember all those things. Lying is hard work, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. So you don't get caught all at once. In fact, the devil doesn't want you to get caught the first time. He wants you to allow this to become your lifestyle. So that then, now your life is built on lies, and all of a sudden, you can cut the legs out from under you, and you fall from a lot higher up. So just because you don't get caught right away doesn't mean you get away with it. I'm not just talking about lies. I'm talking about every wrong decision. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Dude, shoplifting, man, I, I probably told you this story too, man, but when I was like, I don't know, man, like 11, 10, I, I didn't really have enough money to buy a real 10-speed bike. I bought one of them at Kmart that was orange, and it had 10-speed handlebars. Remember the 10-speed handlebars? But, dude, this was one speed, and it was the big one. It was the one where you got to pedal it, and once you got it going, it went. But it didn't have those low gears that could get going fast. And I had that bike. I bought it, and I was hanging out with this dude named Skeeter. And uh, <laughs> you know this ain't going to go anywhere good with that. <laughs> Skeeter, and that's the only one I really remember because Skeeter was really good at shoplifting. Dude, we'd go to Zayers, man, and the dude would go in and put all these clothes on and put his clothes. He'd walk out and be like, yeah, I got it. And here, here's a fishing rod for you. I'm like, whoa, where'd you hide that seven-foot baby? You know, I'm like, literally, he was awesome at shoplifting. And after a while of watching him, I'm like, golly, I'm scared. I don't want to shoplift. I don't want to get caught. I don't really want to do that. I, 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 that wasn't in, my, in who I was. But, man, he was walking away with some cool stuff. And he wasn't getting caught. So who better to teach me than Skeeter? <laughs> so I went to Skeeter school and learned how to shoplift. I didn't have any on-the-job training. He did, I just kind of watched him. And, and one day I went to Walgreens. And this was like, you remember the surfer sunglasses? They, it was when flip-flops, thongs, that's what flip-flops used to be called. Thongs are something totally different now. But <laughs> flip-flops. And you remember they were different layers, different colored layers, and, and, and they had those. And then they made sunglasses with the layers to match, with the mirror frames. They were really cool. And I wanted a pair, but I couldn't afford them. Dude, I'm riding a fake 10-speed bike. I mean, you know, I ain't going to have those cool sunglasses. I walked into Walgreens, man, pretending I was Skeeter, and I remember putting them on, trying them on, everything, and I remember grabbing them, and I remember sticking them down my pants. 
And I remember walking out thinking, ah, I think I got away. And then I remember getting on my bike, and because it was such a high gear, I start, and I'm barely moving. All of a sudden, I feel some dude grab me by the back of my shirt and yank me onto the concrete backwards, slamming my head into the concrete. Nowadays, I'd have a lawsuit and I'd own Walgreens. But I'm glad that didn't happen. You know what happened? He yanked me on, the, on my back, on my head, on the car. My fake 10-speed now is crashing into something, and the rim got bent and all this. And, man, and I'm laying there, and I'm crying, and my sunglasses, I don't know where. The dude reaches up the leg of my pants and grabs the sunglasses. For sure I'd be rich now in this day, but I'm glad that didn't happen. You know what he did? He didn't say a word. He drugged me like Lazarus and the rich man. He drugged me into a special room where there was nobody but me and him. I'd really be rich now, wouldn't I? <laughs> All these things. But I'm glad that didn't happen. He chunked me into the seat and said, ah, we're, you know, whoa, you know, skeeter don't go to Jehoshaphat. <laughs> and, and literally, he says, what's your phone number? And I'm like, 293-6628. <laughs> I remember that right now. 293-6628 has four area codes and all that. And he calls my parents. I gave him my parents' number. <laughs> Just because it was authority, and that's what you did. It was just ingrained in you. My parents come down, and oh, the disappointment in their face. Oh, golly, what? You weren't raised that way. I think more than anything, I hurt my mom. My mom and my dad walk in, and I was hurt over a pair of sunglasses. And I was on restriction for a month. Back when, when you got sent to your room, there was nothing to do in your room except look outside everybody else playing. And the consequences were horrible for all of that. But guess what I never did again? Never shoplifted again. <laughs> and if I'd have been a praying man, a Christian, I'd have been praying for Skeeter to get caught. Because Skeeter's probably in prison right now because it became his lifestyle. I am so grateful I got caught. It didn't have anybody bail me out, but the consequences changed my life. Now, I did other stuff way worse than that, but as far as shoplifting, dude, I didn't do it again. So, man, it's like, it was good. I could have the sunglasses for that, even that moment. That was good. But when I got caught, dude, that was horrible. But I'm grateful that it didn't become my lifestyle. Look what this says in verse 8a. It says, for he who sows to the flesh. You sow them flesh seeds. Hey, you sow flesh seeds. What are you going to grow, Chris? Flesh, yeah. And you know what your flesh is? Your flesh is what you want as opposed to the spirit. So you start trying to finagle God, compromise with God, and you start trying to work it out where you get to always do what you want, but yet you feel religiously superior and you feel all spiritual about it and you've got a, a system all there until the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and gets in your heart, but you're not letting that happen, you know? But at this point, you've got, you've got a good mix of, of, of getting what you want and throwing religion on it. You know what you're doing, man? You're sowing flesh seeds, so you're going to grow flesh. You're going to grow a lifestyle that does what you want to do, and it's going to catch up. Look what he says. He who sows according to his flesh will of the flesh. You're going to grow it. You grow a flesh tree. What kind of fruit are you going to get? Flesh. Hey, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody? What's the first one? Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness. Yeah, all of those. That's what you grow on that spirit tree. What do you grow on the flesh tree? We don't like that one. That, you grow dissension, you grow heresy, you grow, you grow fighting and, and, and evil and envy. You grow all of that. That's what grows on the flesh tree. So, so he said, you want to plant that flesh tree, eventually you're going to get fruit. And you're not going to like the fruit. Who, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap, what's the next word? Corruption. And that word corruption is the word we get corroded and rust from. You know, we get rust. Bruce Lee, you leave your tools out in the rain, do they instantly rust? No, it takes a little bit. You leave them in the back of your truck. You and Zane are working on stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't want to put all this away. You throw it in the back of your truck, and it rains that night. The next day, do, is it covered in rust? No, and some of it's still good, right? You know, you have employees that do this in the bridge, right? They just leave it there, and as long as it don't look rusty, it's good. But you continue to leave it there, what's going to happen? And then when they're all rusted out, what's the value of it? Nothing. Nothing. Pawn shops don't even want to buy it. I'm just saying. That's what he says. It doesn't happen instantly, but you started a process 
where now you're going to not be usable. If you sow according to flesh, know what you're going to grow on that tree and you're going to reap corruption. So it starts out by being a good thing. Oh, dude, I'm going home or I'm going to the bar. Or I'm going to going to the restaurant. I'm going wherever and I'll have to put my tools up. That's a good thing. But later when you're replacing them, that's a bad thing. Almost every wrong decision we make, we make it because it's good at the beginning. But it's not good in the end. We feel like we're going to deal with that later. So, JJ, which way was I supposed to push up? So when we make the wrong decision, short-term consequences are usually good, but the long-term consequences are always bad. Oh, yeah, here we go. I'll keep going. Up. All right, so take it out. Here we go. All right, so we're almost done. This is what I want you to take a picture of in a minute. All right, so the D stands for? Decisions. Decisions. The W stands for? The R stands for? The S stands for? And the L? Long-term consequences. When we make the wrong decision, generally the short-term consequence is what? But the long-term consequence ends up being? But when we make the right decision, sometimes we don't make it because the short-term consequence is what? But the long-term consequence always ends up being good. That's the way God works. That's what he's teaching us in this. So listen to this. When we make the right decision, short-term consequences are usually bad, but the long-term consequences are good. How many of you have ever been confronted by somebody because you messed up? You messed up. And is it easy? Would it be easier to kind of try to twist it a little bit and make it not sound so bad? Or is it, is it hard to actually just come clean sometimes? Yeah. It's really hard to just come clean, isn't it? That's not our nature. It's not what the world system teaches. And we don't like the consequences of it. But if you fess up, you know, you fess up to it. If we're pulling out, you guys are pulling out of the parking lot later and somebody smashes my new truck. New to me, 2011, you smash my truck. And, and then you take off. <laughs> and I don't know who did it. And I'm like, hey, who did it? <laughs> You're like, you'll never know. Yeah. But if you were to come and tell me, hey, I smashed your new truck that you're getting ready to go on vacation with, would I be like, oh, Chris, thank you so much for telling me the truth. I, I hope spirit-filled I would be. But inside, what would I be kind of really thinking? it! come on. <laughs> and you ain't even a body man. Come on. I mean, like, I mean, literally, when you fess up, generally we don't because it's going to hurt. The, until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same, we don't change. That's a counseling given right there. Until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same, you don't change. If it's going to hurt more to change, you don't change. If it's going to hurt more to stay, the, to, to stay the same, then you change. It's all dealt with those consequences the way we deal with it a lot of times. So often... Um, so when we make the right decision, the short-term consequences are bad, and that's why we don't do it. Now, if we're spirit-filled, what do we do? We, we make the right decision. But when we're dealing with just consequences, which is good, which is bad, yeah, I ain't doing that. That's not going to work out. I'll twist that a little. I'll make this into a gray area. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh. He who sows to the spirit. When you sow to the spirit, who are you listening to? Yeah. You're listening to who God wants you. You're doing what God wants you to do. You're not making decisions based off consequences or what you think consequences will be. You're making decisions based off of what God says to do. And how many of you have ever made decisions that God wants you to make that made no sense at the time? Or they didn't make as much sense at the time? Doc, I think about you praised God last week about playing Christian music in your office. And what a testimony it is. People are like, you're going to lose customers and you lost customers. But God has been faithful to keep your ministry, not your business, your ministry where you help people to keep that open because you listen to him as opposed to the statistics, as opposed to the con what, what the experts so on say. Hey, let me ask you a question. Who? Hey, Olivia. Yeah, Olivia, who's the expert at everything? It's, it, whenever I ask you a question and you really weren't paying attention or not that I thought you were, I thought you were, but. Well, wow, now I know that face and lights on nobody home. You really, you got that good church back. But whenever I ask you a question and you don't, you're like, whoa, what? What's the answer always? Help me out. God. Hey, so, so yeah, Olivia, who's the expert on everything? God. Yeah, God is. But yet we listen to all these other experts. 
he who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows the spirit of this will of the spirit reap what, Gary? God. Yeah, God. <laughs> this is one of those times where you could read, all right? But <laughs> all right. Well, of the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. And everlasting life, eternal life, is not a quantity of life. It is a quality of life that you experience the minute you're born again, and it's totally dependent on how much of the flesh you want to crucify. You know, you don't have to listen to the devil. You don't have to follow the world system. And you certainly don't have to follow your flesh, which is the guilty culprit most of the time. You can instead follow the Spirit of God. And he wants to go totally against this world, and he wants Satan to be defeated. And the best way that that can actually happen is when people say, wow, they see your testimony and you have followed God and they want to do that. Man, think of the damage you can do to the enemy's kingdom and the value you bring to God's kingdom when you do the right thing. You will reap life everlasting. And you know what? That's something where even inside, outside could be horrible, but the inside is just beaming. Fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Does that, that have to be an external thing? No, you got to have it internally first. Love, peace. Where's peace? That's internal thing. Joy, where's that? Inside. Self-control, where's that? That's inside. If you ain't got it inside, you ain't got it on the outside. The world's trying to like, they're, they're take, how many of y'all ever like fell for like fake fruit? How many of y'all grandmas or somebody used to have that wax fruit, a bowl of wax fruit or something? You know what I'm saying? Now, I did, again, sometimes I just instinct. I see an orange, you know, I see an apple. Oh, dude, that's wax, nasty. That's what the world's trying to do. They're conformed to the world, not transformed by the renewing of their mind. They're not changed from the inside out. They're changed from the outside in. The world wants love. They want joy. They want peace. They want happiness. They want all the fruit of the Spirit. They want self-control. They want meekness. But it has to come from the inside out. And so even though the external doesn't even look like it's changed, the internal's changing, and does it even matter? No. Isn't that the peace that passes all understanding you were talking about last week? Peace. But then if you've got it on the inside, it's pretty sure it's coming out on the outside, you know? <clears throat> Nothing worse than feeling like a hypocrite, putting it all on the outside, putting a little church face on when you're around people, and knowing on the inside you're miserable. Dude, transform your mind from the inside out. So he says... So he says, but are the, uh, those who sow to the Spirit, will the Spirit reap everlasting life? So here we go. <clears throat> oh, we got this last little verse real quick. But uh, when is the toughest time in life? Check this out again. You got decisions. With every decision, is a wrong decision, a right decision. There's short-term consequences, long-term consequences. So if you've been making wrong decisions, when is it that you want to turn over a new leaf? When is it you want to change? When, when the pain to change is now less than the pain to stay the same, and you are buried in long-term bad consequences, and you're like, I want to do things right. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to change my life. I want to do it right. But do those bad long-term consequences go away? Ryan, do they always go away right away? No, you got to live with those bad long-term consequences. You know, you get scars, they heal. The scars are good for you. They remind you of what you did and not to do it again, right? God leaves a lot of them there, okay? So you, you, it takes a while to reap the crop, to reap the harvest of those bad long-term consequences. But now you start doing things right. Terry, you start doing things right, and all of a sudden the short-term consequences are what? They're bad, like, because it's not what you want to do, but then you start seeing it work out. But at this point, you've got long, bad long-term consequences. You've got bad short-term. So what do many people do at this point? They quit. Can't tell you how many people come forward, how many people come to me in the past. I need a new life, and this is what I want to do. And they start doing it, and now they've got bad, bad. And you're going to have to ride it out. You're going to have to trust God and what he says. You're going to have to trust him that if you're full of the spirit, it doesn't matter what else is going on. You will have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, all of those things. But you're still going to deal with that. But how long do consequences last? How long do they last for? Not forever. Not these. Because you're not going to have them in heaven, right? <laughs> and, and, and a lot of that crop is going to go away before you even die. But you, they're going to be there for a while. Know that tough times don't last forever. They don't. 
So live through this right here and check out this verse that goes with it. We're almost done. Toughest times in life when we decide to make the right decision after making a bunch of wrong decisions. But hang in there like my buddy Billy Cass. Billy Cass, dude, if you ever go look him up, just Google up Billy Cass. He's a commercial fisherman. He's a big heavy equipment operator over in Fort Myers. and He's a pastor. And a dude can pick a guitar and he plays cracker music, man. It's just like... He, he's like the original Jimmy Buffett, like Jimmy Buffett copied him, man. This guy's like good, but he has a saying, hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. <laughs> Bet you'll never forget that one again. <laughs> We're getting ready to go. Isn't there a place called the Biscuit Place? If we get there and we grab a biscuit or you get your little like, you know, man, Chick-fil-A biscuit or wherever you get your Hardy's Big Biscuit, you know, the, the Colossal Heart Attack Biscuit, wherever you get a biscuit, man. How many of y'all like biscuits? Oh, dude, Chris, you bite into that biscuit, and there's a curly, long hair right in the middle of it. Go right between your teeth, man. It's still stuck in the biscuit, man. That hair, it's one of Sana's hairs. Huh? <laughs> Butter is like the love of food. Love covers all, but... Dude, that biscuit's going to, that hair's going to hang in there, man. You hang in there like a hair on a biscuit, and I'm sorry if that has ruined your day, but... The Holy Spirit reminded me of what Billy Cass, my buddy, said. Look him up on Facebook. You want to hear some good picking. That dude can play a guitar. He is just a spirit-filled mullet fisherman, tractor-driving, pastor-preacher, man. He's awesome. But, so hang in there. Look at this verse. Let us not grow what? Weary. Don't you get tired when the bad long-terms are there, the bad short-terms are there, and you're like, how much more of this can I handle? Who's got the answer to that? He knows when to rest you, and he knows when to test you, man. It's kind of like that football coach, that, that lacrosse coach. Hey, hey, coach, man, you ever push your guys a little farther than what they think they should be pushed? Yeah, Morgan, you ever do that? I see, you're a tough cookie. She's out there with them girls, man. It's only because you love them they do it, right? But you ever, like, are you actually kind of mean? All right, hey, is she kind of mean sometimes? No. Oh, my goodness. You're a horrible coach. No, I'm just joking. No. But I watch you push them, right? If you don't push your players further than where they can go, what happens? Yeah, they never achieve their potential. Who's the best coach in the world? God is, right? He's got to push you further, but he's there to take you. So don't grow weary. Keep another sprint, another suicide drill, another push-up, another sit-up, whatever it is spiritually, another one. Because it's for your good and it's for his glory. He's got big plans for the championship game for you, man. <laughs> Go read about it in Revelation. Let us not grow weary while doing what? Yeah, you know why we grow weary? We're sitting in a the, in the spiritual lazy boy saying, well, I wonder when something good is going to happen. You know, you get, you, you, if you sit in the lazy boy long enough, what's going to happen, Johnny? Not that I see you doing that. John, John what's going to happen you sit in the lazy boy long enough? Dude, yeah, you're going to be lazy, man. You're going to fall asleep, even if you weren't tired. You know? You don't use it, you lose it, man. And so God's pushing you. Don't grow weary while doing what? Good. you got to be doing something. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do you want me to do? Not like, well, I'm just waiting for God to show me the next thing. <laughs> you know? That's where the church is often. And that's not where God wants us. Don't grow weary while doing good. Man, if you're suffering bad consequences, what's the best thing you could be doing? Ryan, what's the best thing you could do? you got all these bad consequences. What's the best thing you could be doing? Praising God, doing something good. Because otherwise, you're in lazy boy. What are you thinking about? All them bad going to hurt. I ain't going to do that because that's going to hurt. Instead, you're doing the right hymn. Your mind's not even on those other things. Don't grow weary while doing good. In due season, who gets to determine when this harvest comes? Hey, Colleen, who gets to determine when the harvest comes? God does. But boy... I know you're not that kind of person, but do you ever, do you know people who want to determine when the harvest is? Yeah, we all do. Man, let, God knows when the harvest is going to come. He knows when, 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 he knows when to rest you and when to test you. In due season, we shall reap. If we don't, what, what are we not supposed to do? Lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Don't lose trust. Keep going, knowing God He's doing this for your good and for his glory. He's got big plans for the championship game, man. And he's taking you through what he needs to take you through at this point. So life is full of decisions. Help me out and we're done. Our, oh, 
<laughs> Almost done. We're done with scripture. I have two letters, Terry, circled R. So I, I just saw this PowerPoint the first time. Dave did an awesome job with this PowerPoint. Did exactly what I was looking for him to do. But how long can two letters take, Terry? Just we're doing it, man. I know some of you were thinking about that, but right and wrong, all right? So let me ask you a question. All right? If making the wrong decision is good but ends up being bad, and making the right decision is bad but ends up being good, oh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what happens? Everything, Everything you need is added to you. That's where I can, I can back that bottom part up. You do the right thing right now. It may not look good now, but it will end up being great. So what do we make our decisions based on? Do we make them based on short-term consequences? If we make them based on short-term consequences, what kind of decisions are we going to generally make? Yeah. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Yeah, you're going to make, you're, 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 it's going to end up bad if you, make, if you make them based on your short-term consequences. If you make them based on your long-term consequences, what do you think about that? What's the problem with that? Mac, what's the problem if I decide I'm going to basically make my decisions on what I think, how I think it's going to end up? That's a deep subject. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, God is the exact right answer because God knows what? He knows the future. And what don't you know? No, my psychic. Yeah. And if we pick the future, if we tell God how it's going to end up, we sell ourselves way short. I've been finding out the older I get in my walk with him, the more I follow and let him figure out how it's going to end, he blows me away with things that I would never dream of. I think so often I may say, God, here's how I want it to work out. And God's like, really? That's it? Oh, God, no. I demand you do it this way. He's like, all right, <laughs> sell yourself short. Instead of just, God, I want to follow. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. God, get glory out of this and make me more like you and watch him work. So the problem is anytime we try to base our decisions on consequences, one, we can get consequences wrong, and two, we sell ourselves way short. So instead, what are we to base our decisions on? It's circled, I'll give you a hint. Right and wrong. God, what is right? God, what is wrong? Regardless of what we think any consequences are gonna be, what do you want me to do now, God? And we do it. So. Make decisions based on right and wrong as opposed to potential consequences. Hey, what's the greatest decision you'll ever make? Giving your life to Christ, right? And so, so going back in that particular situation, you know, when you choose to do what you want to do, I'm not giving my life to Christ because I want to be the boss. Well, that might be good for you right now, you think. That's why people don't. But in the end, when you die, where are you going? You're going to hell. That's the long-term consequence. That's the ultimate long-term consequence. But when you surrender yourself to life, it may, your life to Christ, it may not seem like a good thing, even though it's really good. But how many of you have recognized the good long-term consequences of living for him? Yeah, that's it. One last time, guys. Alana's trying to help us right here. The D stands for? The W stands for? And the R stands for? The S stands for? And the L, when we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually what? But the long-term consequence is? Uh, when we make the right decision, the short-term consequence is usually? But the long-term consequence is? And hang in there like a hair in a biscuit when you, make, uh, when you flip over to the, uh, a new leaf. Bruce Lee, you're going to be using that at work tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah, you're going <laughs> to tell Zane. I know you are. But... Listen, man, take a picture of this if you haven't. And I want to challenge you, every time you have a decision to make, look at that. Just look at it. And you know what? Even more so, what's probably going to happen, you're going to be around people today that have decisions to make. And you're going to be able to share this with them. How many of y'all think y'all could preach this right here? You could, you could teach it? Yeah, it's that simple. Use it. It's biblical. And this has kept me out of a lot of trouble. If you've never given your life to Christ, man, I want to tell you, it's the best decision you could ever make. The right thing is to give it to him, and you will not be sorry. Just surrender it to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thanks for a new year. 
And I am grateful that it's not going back to what we would consider normal. I'm grateful that life is dynamic. I'm grateful that it's designed by you and that every encounter is a divine encounter. I'm grateful that it tells us in Ephesians that when we were saved, we were saved to good works that you planned before the beginning of time. And that we know everything we encounter is, is just by your design and you've got something awesome in store. Even though we may not see it as awesome, it may take a while for that awesome to grow. Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to receive the grace you give us to do what it is you want us to do in the moment of this day. Father, as I was even talking with some folks on the way in today, we so often are looking for God's will in the future, God's plan in the future, when we're not even guaranteed the next breath. Father, help us look at your will, look at your plan, look at everything as right now in the present. I know, God, according to Scripture, according to Matthew 6.33, that if we seek first the kingdom of, of, of you and you're right, do the right thing, everything we need will be added unto us. I know, Father, that if we take all the steps you want us to take, we'll end up where you want us to end up. Help us live one step at a time. Help us make our decisions based on right and wrong and not what we think will be the consequences. Father, help us to live for you, to show people what kingdom kids are like. And Father, just help us to be better ambassadors. And uh, we can't wait to spend eternity with you, but we're honored that we get to represent you while we're here. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.